Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Rose Medal Podcast hosted by Emily Watson. Once an athlete, always an athlete. Rose Medal's mission is to provide resources and support for current and former athletes. This is also a resource for parents of athletes to help know how to support them. In this podcast with Colby, we will be discussing injuries, struggles as a student athlete, and her path to her career as a culinary dietitian and personal trainer. Okay, I have Colby Tebow here. Colby is a registered dietitian and virtual coach for former athletes. She played soccer in college while attending culinary school, which was the first half of her nutrition program at Johnson and Wales University in Rhode Island. She also has a certi- certification for personal training and has been working with former athletes for almost two years. Colby is currently engaged to her fiance, Josh, and they're they're going to get married next October. At home, she has two dogs and a cat. Fun fact, if she could save every animal in the world, she would. In her free time, she loves cooking, reading, snowboarding, hiking, and lifting weights. So um, I'm really excited to have you on here. Thank you for being on this podcast. Hey, Emily. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so let's just jump right into it. So how did you handle doing culinary school and culinary nutrition while being an athlete? So it was definitely a lot. (laughs) So the way the program was set up, we had to do labs that were six hours long and we would rotate through like every nine days or so. And because I was a student athlete, I had to take the morning labs. So they ran from 7 a.m. to 1 p.m. and then would have to jump out, go get changed, you know, shove something down my mouth yeah, (laughs) and and go for, you know, afternoon practices and games. Um, so it was kind of a, an all the time on the go schedule, but we got early enrollment for being student athletes, which was super helpful when we had to take academic courses because we got kind of first dibs first, um, like timing, which was really nice. Okay. Six hours. That's quite a bit of time in school. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. And they, (laughs) they were structured kind of horribly. Like I understand why, but we would get there for the 7am start and, you know, all the chefs would have to kind of check us in before letting us into the kitchen. So they would check our uniforms and to make sure we had all of our, our equipment on us and all of this fun stuff. And then we would have to sit through, you know, multiple hours of lecture early in the morning. And then we would do the practical stuff, actually, like hands on for the rest of the afternoon. Oh, my gosh. That sounds like a lot. Yeah. (laughs) And you said that was every nine days. So we would go um, Monday through Thursday. We didn't have classes on Fridays because we were a culinary institution. So that's it's a really high industry day is what they called it. So obviously nights and weekends being in the culinary industry are pretty high traffic. So they wanted to create more opportunity for students. Mm -hmm. So we didn't have classes on Fridays, but Monday through Thursday, we would have our labs. And then, so that would be, you know, four days and then another five days in the next coming weeks. And then we would switch labs. So if I started with um, sports performance lab, then, you know, after nine class days, we would switch to a completely new chef, new kitchen, new lab, everything. Yeah. And yeah, that's, that's, um, helpful that you have that 
the, the Friday off, uh, mm-hmm. especially competitions being usually weekends and stuff. Um, did you, did you ever miss any labs? Oh yeah. We had to like get early dismissals essentially a bunch of times. Same with academic classes. We were always leaving halfway through things or having to take our tests first and um, a lot of (laughs) catching up on notes from other classmates and making sure that we had stuff in early. And it was, you know, a lot of responsibility. Yeah. So you went into culinary school that led into culinary nutrition because learning the food as like a chef helps with your nutrition, right? Yeah. So my whole theory when I was looking into schools at, you know, junior, senior year of high school was I wanted to learn everything that I could about the food first, because in theory, if I was, if I was a dietitian, you know, studying nutrition and talking to clients or patients about food and someone asked me like, oh, what's a healthier way to cook chicken? Like I, I should be able to know those things, but without that food knowledge behind me first, I, I just didn't see it as being like oh, as well-rounded as a regular clinical dietitian. Yeah, I love that. That makes it even deeper in the next level for like your credibility. And yeah, so with that, would you have, do you think you would have done a different degree if you weren't a student athlete? No, I, no, I definitely don't think so because it's, I really chose the path I did based on a career and a dream and goals and all of that other stuff. And soccer was kind of just like icing on the cake. And I was well prepared to go to school and not play at all if it came down to it. But I I chose the school based on the major and the career first and soccer kind of just followed suit from there. But I, I turned down really high level schools for higher division playing that were offering me full rides, but they didn't have the the major in the career path that I was pursuing. So eventually that came down to making a really hard choice. Yeah. Well, that's, it's really cool that you knew, you knew what you wanted to go into and you knew what program was the best for what you wanted for your career though. And you still got to play. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely, it definitely worked out for the long run, but it was, you know, at the end of the day, I understood, <laughs> I came down to the the realization in high school that, you know, I was good, but I wasn't going to become a professional like I thought I was when I was little. So it was, you go to this school for free to play, but have who knows what kind of career afterwards or, you know, make the safe choice and be smart about it. Yeah. Um, I'm a little envious that you knew what you wanted to go, what like degree you wanted to go into in high school though. Cause like for me, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, it took me a long time to even make a decision. I don't think I really set my major until like junior year. Um, so that's kind of why I chose my school based off of um, sport was because I didn't know what degree I wanted. Um, but if you do know what degree you want, it's really important to know what school has that program for you. Yeah. And I've, I feel like I was kind of the oddball out with all of the other girls pretty much on the team were kind of in the situation that you were just explaining, like, Hey, we came here to play and like, I'm in a, 
a general ed course right now because I don't know what the heck I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's kind of the majority, but um, yeah. yeah, it definitely made it a lot easier for sure. Yeah. So with your, um, with your playing soccer, did you ever face any injuries or setbacks? Yeah. Yep. I, I mean, I think everyone does at some point, but my, my shins were, <laughs> were always a huge issue. They were, I like had chronic shin splints for my whole career. <laughs> like I was, you know, kind of a walking joke, like even in high school, like after every game getting, getting ice packs strapped on with saran wrap and <laughs> walking around, like you have, you know, huge growths on your legs, but that was kind of more just like a nagging thing that never went away. Um, but I had a, a pretty big injury not related to soccer, but it definitely affected my school and my life now. But I was actually snowboarding junior year of college and hit my head really hard and ended up with a grade three concussion and would have split my head open had I not had a helmet on. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, so I, I had to take a a medical leave from school actually for about six weeks and it was landing right at the time that we had finals. So when I came back, I had to not only start new classes, but finish the finals in the classes that I had left from all at the same time. Oh my gosh. While recovering from, you know, I like, I would read a sentence and completely forget what I had just read a second later. Like it was so frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it still is because I still have, you know, lasting effects from it that I can't really control, but yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, that I'm, I'm glad you were able to recover from that and like be able to like come back and was it in the off season? Um, yes. Yep. It was, I believe it was February. So yeah, definite off season for soccer. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so along with, you know, like a little bit of setbacks, um, you've mentioned to me on the phone before this, that you had a mixture of not believing in yourself and coaches not believing you in the past and uh, at some time in your career. So what was your experience with that and how did you handle that? Yeah, it was, it was definitely tough um, at moments. So some backstory on that, my club soccer coach. So through, through middle school and high school and all of this other school um, before the collegiate level, you play either like a club or premier soccer team to play, you know, year round. And I had started playing premier at the age of 11. So my club coach outside of high school actually ended up being my college coach, which I thought was going to be like the best thing ever because it was a coach I already knew. We already knew each other. He knew how I played. You know, we already had that relationship. Yeah. And going into preseason before freshman year, it was like a flip on, on, I don't even know why, but he, uh, I understandably, you know, figured out he treated me like everyone else, which is totally fine. I expected that, but I, I was like benched for a very long time (laughs) and it was, it was definitely not what I was used to. I, you know, I was used to being a starting player and, you know, barely ever coming out and 
to start my my college career kind of on a low when I didn't really understand the reasoning why was really frustrating. Yeah. So then, you know, you spiral, right? So I like question my abilities, my confidence, like everything, you know, just like the spiral effect. And I feel like that that has such an impact and it doesn't just go away overnight either. So I've identified, you know, even through business now going through a lot of mindset work like that, that lagged on for a while. Yeah. The the confidence and the, the mindset and beliefs, belief systems of not being good enough and having to like constantly compare to others, you know, even, even my teammates that were supposed to be some of my best friends, I would, you know, create, you know, almost fights with because I was comparing myself to them because they were playing and I wasn't. Yeah. Um, I can relate with that. Like getting, feeling a little bit like jealous with teammates a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And that's not, you know, they're supposed to be our teammates. That's not really a a desirable trait to have in a team sport relationship. Right. So what kind of advice would you give to someone that's like going through the same thing that you went through? I, Ooh, I would say like being able to identify it before letting it get to you. Mm-hmm. Like that self-awareness of like, Hey, my mind isn't working like it usually does. And I'm having these thoughts and being able to be strong enough to sit down and figure out why or where they're coming from. I think would definitely help. Um, And I know like this is something I do with my clients a lot and it's, it's not just being an athlete either. I think we as humans just aren't built to give ourselves praise and celebration. And um, it's just like really unnatural for us to do, especially coming from a team sport because we were, you know, constantly getting that from other teammates or coaches or our, our fans in the crowd, like, everyone kind of provided it for us. So we're not in the real world. We start adulting and we don't really realize like, Oh, Hey, I have to tell myself I'm doing a good job. I have to be that source of praise. And it's, it's something that we start every client call with like, Hey, what are your wins? What are we celebrating this week? Let's, let's say it out loud and let's celebrate it. And then, you know, move from there. It's like you're helping them. You're like, you're celebrating with, with them, but you're helping them realize it first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Even the difference between writing it down on a piece of paper and saying it out loud to another human being is so different and it's so impactful and it's really not that hard to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It just takes the, take the time and, and the, um, the mindfulness to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I hope, it, it translates to other areas in everyone's lives too. Like being able to come home and talk to your, talk to your partner, partner or spouse and say, Hey, like I did this at work today and it was really cool. And I'm really proud of myself for doing it. Like, can we just talk about it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love that you're putting it into your work now too. Yeah. I think it, it applies in so many areas that it's, it should be implemented in a lot more places too. Yeah. So when you were in, when you were playing, um, what was one of your favorite moments while competing? Ooh, favorite moments. I think like career highlight would be scoring my first goal in college. Yeah. And, um, 
I think you'll see the excitement I'm talking about because one of the pictures I sent you for the podcast was me jumping up with like my arms in the air. I look like I'm doing a jumping jack. (laughs) (laughs) That was actually right after I scored that goal. Um, And I'm, you know, I'm like a big jumping jack in the middle of the air, like five feet off the ground because I was just (laughs) so excited. Oh my God. Um, Yeah. Especially like, like we were talking about that setback too, of being benched and not starting and being able to like finally prove like, Hey, like I'm doing what you brought me here to do. And it was, it was a moment that I could have played a lot differently. Um, so long story short, I had to, I beat the goalie cause she came out of the net. So I beat her and got around her and it was basically just an open net in front of me. And all I had to do was put the ball straight and I could have very easily like given into my excitement and gotten excited and like completely, you know, whiffed it over the net. Right. But I, I like, t- I remember like very vividly, like taking a breath and being like, calm down, like <laughs> just place it, just be yeah. easy. <laughs> yes. And I'll it, it went in and it was, you know, obviously really, really impactful. Yeah. What a cool moment. And that's a, that's a cool picture too. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a highlight for sure. That's cool. Someone got that moment. Yeah. I think I want to say it was actually, um, someone from the athletic department, like they had, um, like a, almost like an AT assistant and he would bring his big like photography camera to the different games he was working. And I think he would submit them to the school um, cause we had like a, a newsletter type of thing that would come out and he would take pictures for it. So it was actually really by chance that he was even there to do that. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I'm sure that was first of many. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> cool. Definitely the best though. Yeah. <laughs> um, so after you were done playing soccer, what did you do in your free time um, after your soccer career ended? So after school, um, I was in my dietetic internship for a year down in Connecticut at Yale New Haven Hospital. So when that started the fall after graduating school, it I really didn't have free time is what it felt like. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was like school never ended and it, it just intensified. Um, yeah. You just went right into to your uh, training for work. Yep. Yeah. And it was at a very large hospital, like multiple buildings connected in one. So just like learning where to go was a struggle in itself, but it was, it was definitely all consuming. And I think that it kind of twofold worked in my favor and then against me in a way, taking up all my free time because I almost didn't have like the negative feelings of my career ending, like feeling sad or guilty or anything like that because I, my brain was preoccupied with doing other things. But I also think it was kind of negative because I didn't give myself the time to actually process through those things. Yeah. And uh, it definitely held its impact because it started manifesting in other ways. And it's like, holy crap, I need to work through this stuff. Yeah. Take a moment to think about it. Um, 
But that's another reason why I'm envious that you knew what you wanted to do, um, like, since high school, is you were able to go into something to keep you busy, and it's, like, something that's, like, really meaningful, like, you're working towards another goal, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah, and I definitely think I I use those same skills with soccer, like, the, the competitive, um, determined, like, things that really make up my personality, um, I definitely use those with internship too, because it was, you kind of had to compete against yourself at the end of the day. Like, am I doing a good job? Am I learning? Am I doing the things that I'm supposed to be doing in this, in this spot? Yeah, for sure. And with the aspect, with the whole transition, what aspect of the transition out of sports was the hardest for you? And what advice can you give to athletes from what you learned from that? I think the hardest part was just not being aware of like where the emotions and where the actions were coming from. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very deeply rooted in, in the non-communication of this transition in sports in general, in, you know, collegiate and even high school to some degree. Um, you know, like you said, once an athlete, like we're always athletes. So even if you just played in high school, I've still had clients that have a lot of the same mindset issues that my collegiate athletes also have. So it's, it's just that the lack of communication about, Hey, this is what's going to happen. This is how we get through it. Like, these are the emotions you're going to feel that lack of guidance and preparation ahead of time, I think is what really needs to change. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think we're both kind of in a spot to help do that, which is fantastic. But I think, the advice I would give is just to ask the questions, like prepare yourself ahead of time as much as you can, like anticipate it happening and ask questions along the way from, you know, either seniors that graduated a year before you or the coaches in your sport, like they've obviously gone through it too and continuously see it. So asking those questions and kind of preparing yourself ahead of time. So it's not such like a shell shock when it happens. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And um, that's something that we're we're doing in our organization as well as a mentorship program. And that's exactly what I wanted um, current athletes to get out of it is to be able to like get, ask all of those questions to someone who's been in your shoes, like learn from them um, and like be open to like what what you need to do to be better. And like like just any just learning from the those alumni. Mm hmm. Yeah. And I think that's, that's one of the best ways we learn is from other people's experiences. And if, if they can transfer their knowledge and their energy through, through something like a mentorship, like you mentioned, like that's, I think that's literally the best way it can happen. Yeah. Um, So do you have anything else to add? Oh, I, I just, again, want to thank you for having me. It was a pleasure getting to know you too. And, and working in this, same amazing little niche that we have here. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I'd also love to mention, um, you know, come, come follow along with me and my journey on, on social media. And if this is something that you're listening to and you're identifying with as, you know, a struggling former female athlete, then I would love to, to chat and we can talk about my, my program that's launching again in August. And just to just to continue advocating for this space and what we do and 
just communicate more about it so more people can at least identify that it's an issue in itself. Yes, please go give her a follow and we'll tag you in the post on Instagram. Um, and are you mostly on Instagram? Yeah, yep, yeah, mostly Instagram. I, I use my personal Facebook page, um, so whatever you're comfortable with, but mostly Instagram. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed listening, please be sure to follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Rose Metal Foundation. We are transitioning to the new name from Once an Athlete, so you will see that name here and there. If you missed the last podcast, our guest was basketball player Devin Sorrell. In that episode, we discussed coaching changes, nagging injuries, and finding a job after sports. Up next, we'll have Maddie Furman as our guest. In that episode, we'll be talking about transferring schools, handling setbacks, and how to deal with feeling like you left your sport not feeling done yet. Become a supporter of the Rose Metal Foundation by making a donation at www.rosemetalfoundation.org forward slash donate. So far, we have shared the stories of 38 current and former athletes, and we have a mentorship program called Championship Mentoring.